like I've had multiple people reach out. Some people, and, and I would actually include myself in this. Okay. Some people have have expressed concern over your hatred of Geode. I don't hate Geode. Okay? I don't hate Geode. Geode, I don't I don't hate Geode any more than I hate the chair I'm sitting in. Geode is a rock. Geode is wonderful. Okay. Observe my journey then, because I'm, maybe, maybe, I doubt it, but maybe I will go on a a journey of geode discovery over the course of this book. But right now, right, and we'll get into it today. Right now, I'm pretty sure I'm taking fucking crazy pills with you people talking about how geode is so sexy and geode is amazing and geode is the most intelligent, emotionally intelligent uh, person in Star Wars and stuff. He's a rock. So I, I knew you were going to say that. So uh, we have a new <laughs> listener named, I love this username, uh, Sunny Lorna Delight. <laughs> you win. That's it. We're just, that's, that's the show, everybody. <laughs> uh, Good night. <laughs> uh, uh, she, she wrote in saying, uh, uh, I love your guys' podcast so much. I started listening to you all because I heard you were doing High Republic content. And then I went back. Chris, do you think Geode is the Jar Jar Binks of the High Republic for Stephanie? <laughs> and I and I and it, it like it like clicked for me at that point. Like I'm like, yes, Geode is the next Jar Jar. So just like but, you will you will eventually understand the love for Geode, just as you now love Jar Jar Binks. Okay, but in the same way, because the thing that turned me around on Jar Jar was finding out what happened to him after the war and how he ended up penniless on the streets of fucking whatever feed in in Naboo, openly mocked by all the citizens, even though all he was trying to do was like juggle and entertain the refugee children whose lives are so fucking miserable. Um, that's that's what turned me around on Jar Jar. Are you telling me that Geode is going to suffer the same fate? Uh, not so far. Okay. Um, and the different reasons why Geode. Uh, well, Geode also doesn't cause the Empire to be formed. So. Neither did Geode. No. Don't you dare. <laughs> I triggered her. There is no. Oh, that was not Jar Jar Binks' fault, okay? He was an idiot being brilliantly manipulated by Hurricane Palpatine, okay? He was subject to the whims we we, of the weather patterns. We can't talk about that too much, though. It was in a book. Shut up. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, why can't we talk about uh, a movie that's been out for a really long time? Because we still support the strikes. Uh, SAG-AFTRA is still a thing that's happening. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have that debate later. SAG-AFTRA, the union? That's still happening. Uh, I, ha- I now have strike. over 100 a items I want to talk to Stephanie about as soon as the strikes are over. We're going to... Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. Anyway, um, <laughs> Steph, would you like to intro a show? <laughs> we haven't even done that yet. <laughs> are you prompting me now? Uh, yeah. What fucking bizarro world are we in where you're prompting me to stay on task? Um, I, I stayed up super late watching, um, the news and I'm, uh, there's Rachel Maddow energy flowing in my veins right now uh, and I'm going into like, boss- is that why you're inexplicably very attractive to me today? Right? She's hot. <laughs> She's so hot. I love Rachel Maddow so much. Um, I, I respect her committed relationship with her partner though. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, get together, have a couple of drinks, see what happens. 
<laughs> I've, I, I, yeah, I'm sure her partner's lovely. Her partner her must have the patience of a fucking saint. Of a fucking saint. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I suppose I will do what you have suggested and intro the show. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> I'm kidding. That sounds like somebody who wants to do his own goddamn intro for the show today. Well, I am doing my intro for the show today, but you're no, doing your part ahead. too. No, go, go ahead. No, you no, fucking no. sweetied me. You you know better. I, I so I think, know better. I think this is this is the time that Chris gets to do the show as intro. Go get it. Um, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> this is episode one hundred and thirty-three of Dark Side Divas, Good and you don't God. know how the intro goes between this. Here's a perspective for you, yeah, sweetie. Um, this podcast has 133 episodes as of today. Um, Marvelous Divas is going to be episode 76. Crazy. So between these two, we have done over 200 podcast episodes just on this network. Right. So you don't know how the intro goes? I know how my intro goes. But but like, you do you, you do you, I do me. And uh-huh. I can't replicate your your style. Yes, but there have to be consequences for fucking sweetieing me in this whole process. Oh, I'm sure you'll find plenty of opportunities to embarrass me, you. especially in this episode. <laughs> <sighs> especially tomorrow when we record Marvelous Divas. But we'll. I haven't even we'll, I haven't even read the comic. Girl, yet. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bleed the the walls between our two podcasts real quick, y'all. Oh we're we're reading comic books, and I I'm dyslexic, right? <laughs> Having I'm not laughing at your dyslexia. I'm laughing at Marvel Comics' total inability to be accessible. So go on. And it, and I'm finally reading a Star Wars uh, uh, comic series that um there was a panel where there's like lights and words and it's a computer monitor and somebody's trying to read sensors and there's all this information on it to have to go up to my partner and say can you read this for me is so embarrassing yes i i i I empathize with that i i feel that but listen chris there's balance in all things there is so the moment where you have to be like, my brain doesn't work correctly. Will you please assist me? Never be ashamed of the things that you need that that help to accommodate your disability. Okay? Ever. And if one of those things that you need to accommodate your disability is a helper brain shaped like your partner, then that's what you need. <laughs> but the balance is you may need his assistance for reading for something that is beyond your control. How many things do you have to help him with that he could absolutely control and doesn't? Well, you know, it... That I'm ma- not going to get into details because it's not my relationship and it's not my prerogative to air these things on the podcast. I'm just saying you and I talk and trust me, he should be more embarrassed than you. <laughs> Um, the support of my Heather is everything. <laughs> Y'all get you a best friend. I'm just saying. Seriously. Seriously. <clears throat> anyway, anyway. Hey, so now that it's been long enough that the sweetie is worn off, I'm going to enter the show. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dark Side Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Star Wars. My name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show. Do not call me sweetie. 
<laughs> and hey, everybody. I'm Chris. I am that homo monk wizard sexual. <laughs> uh, oh, and Stephanie, speaking of geode. Uh-huh. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Did you just say a geode quote? Is that what your gag is today? Yeah, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into why we're here today um i do do i do i do i no actually i, I don't, don't. oh well no that's not true uh we do have i've been uh uh failing people with uh doing reviews um so i was mm, gonna read yeah. mm-hmm. i was gonna trigger stephanie again and read a few yay uh, I do love reviews, you guys. It's 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 good for me. It's therapy. Go. Well, I haven't read these. It's uh, this is from October. <laughs> this is from October 11th. That's how that's oh how bad I've been at doing these. Um, Sophie approved wrote, uh, "Fork haters, people deserve wages." <laughs> Absolutely loving the book discussions. As a healthy, obsessed Star Wars person, I've been reading through canon and some Legends books for a long time now, and have no one to talk to about it. But as always, listening to you. Feels like chatting with friends. Never seen Marcian Rowe as dark romance hero, but now I'm convinced <laughs> and kind of obsessed. Thank you much. Yes! Join us. Join us. <laughs> uh, Thank you so much for that. I appreciate uh, it. Since we are live recording, we have people writing in the chat. And Wes wrote, oh. Chris, keep giving her crap about Geo. She's going to throw him into the Gilmore Girls box in her brain and never like him. <laughs> um, Hold on! <laughs> No, no. Our listeners, our patrons cannot know me that well. This is what happened. <laughs> no. We we share. A- I have been called the fuck out by Wes. Shit. <laughs> um. Uh, so that reminds me of a story I did want to talk to you about real quick before we jump into the book. The Gilmore's the Gilmore Girls box is real. <laughs> I somehow never considered uh, actually naming it, but no, you're right. It's got like a Gilmore Girl sticker on the side. That box in my brain exists. Oh my god, I have to process this. So, um, I got in big. Fe- Good morning to everybody, but Wes. God damn it. <laughs> um, when uh, uh, this week I had my therapy uh, session, and I was immediately in trouble. Like she gives me that that hello, Chris, silent stare. Thing. Oh no, has she been listening to the podcast? And that's what she did. She's like, so i finally been listening to your podcast. No. And I go, okay. She's like, why do you share more on the podcast than you do in our sessions? <laughs> because the podcast doesn't offer any solutions. <laughs> that's why. Because there's no work. There's no homework from the podcast. But yeah, no. Um, uh, we, we share a lot of ourselves uh, on these podcasts. And as a result... People know a little bit too much about us, and I'm not used to that. <laughs> Thing is, is, I forget. I forget how much we've shared over over the course of these combined 200 plus episodes. Um, and so then people like Wes scoot in and drop a fucking truth bomb, and like, oh no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's a brilliant observation, Wes. Thank you. Um. Steph's hatred can sometimes be like an orbit. Uh, <laughs> like, so a it'll, it'll, like a what? Like a what? Like orbiting a planet. So like... Oh, okay. It, now, That's nor- not what I heard. I heard organ. So... Oh, my. I mean, I don't know which one you're talking about, but like, you know, sometimes her hatred, she's on the dark side of the moon, and sometimes it stays there, <laughs> like Gilmore Girls, but sometimes it comes all the way around back into the light, like Jar Jar Binks. 
So I'm hoping it's true. It's true. I'm it's hoping we're on the Jar Jar Binks trajectory with Geode is what I'm saying. We won't know until we either get to the light or don't. Yeah, I know. You never know. I don't know either. I'm, I, and just to let you know, there are thousands of things that have stayed in the dark. Jar Jar is actually <laughs> the only one that I can I can think of that where things actually turned around. Um, mushrooms. Not the fun ones. Not the psychedelic ones, but just like mushrooms that you eat. I used to fucking hate them. And then somebody gave me a plate of them that were deep fried and that changed everything. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. You were there for that. Yeah. 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 I forgot. Wait, 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 wait. Now I love, now I love mushrooms. You being there. Maybe you're the catalyst. So yeah, maybe Maybe I'll come around. (laughs) Stephanie used to be uh, uh, open to everything and like everything. And then she met me and she's like, fuck, I hate everything. No, I was a, I was just a straight hater before but now here we are anyway okay okay are we ready now to get into why we're here yes let's do it okay so (laughs) what we're doing on this podcast uh is we uh formerly were watching through the entire star wars visual story in chronological order however we are standing in solidarity with sag after as they are on strike trying to get all of their members um you know little things like humane treatment and fair pay just the little things. It's just the little things in life. So um, instead of talking about any visual media or struck content, we are talking about books, specifically Star Wars books, specifically the High Republic Star Wars books, even more specifically than that today. We are talking about Into the Dark uh, by Claudia Gray. Uh, and today we are discussing chapters three through four with a little interlude in the middle. If you read the book. If you actually read, if we, we discover this and we'll talk about it. Yeah. But yes, that is what we're talking about today. <clears throat> do you have an intro? My I love? do. I do. <clears throat> Disaster strikes. The vessel crew and the Jedi are in the thick of danger, trying to avoid being blown to bits. Will they survive? I'd love to find out quickly, but let's jump back 25 years. What? <laughs> <laughs> context, baby. It's context. We'll talk about that, too. Yeah, well, it's a lot. Okay, so when last we left our heroes, Padawan Reed Silas and his entirely too relatable gifted kid syndrome had started his Hallmark after-school special journey as a big city kid being forced to move out to the back of beyond by his master, Jorah Mali. In a credulity-straining coincidence, he ends up traveling with not one, not two, but three other Jedi on a cargo vessel called Vessel, with a rather eccentric crew uh, that includes a rock. Everything was going instantly fine until the inciting incident of the last book we read decided to multitask by inciting some shit in this book, too. What are you talking about, Steph? Hmm? Hmm? I'm talking about... You'll see. (laughs) My new initiative. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for... He's not in this book. Why are you doing that to me? Because he's omnipresent, you know? He's everywhere. Okay. Are we all caught up? We ready to go? I'm ready. All right, so we start today with chapter three. Affie Hollow is reflecting that she's got a lot of space travel experience for a 17-year-old, but this whole hyperspace is suddenly fucking full of debris situation is the worst because she has never seen uh, pilot Leox Giassi so fucking close to losing his shit. Yeah, I love that. But I love the the description where... Uh, she notes that if you don't know Leox, you wouldn't notice that he's freaking the fuck out. But because she spent so much time with him, she knows. She specifies in her mind that she and Geode know better. Yes, correct. Geode notices too. 
Affy and Geode can tell because they know Leox so well that he is holding on by a fucking thread because this is bad. This is bad. This is straight up fucked up bad. So Affy's like, okay, what do we do? And Leox is like, we need to find a clear path through hyperspace right now. And he says, quote, <clears throat> if we get hit by so much as a splinter of metal, we are looking at explosive ejection from hyperspace, followed by your favorite and mine, a hull breach. Yay. In deep space, no less. So there's nowhere that's to... nowhere bad. To, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, no, bad. they're in the frontier. They're not in Republic space anymore. No. Anywhere they take an off-ramp out of hyperspace right now is going to be remote. Yeah. To say the least. Anyway, so um, Affy looks out the window and sees that the blue of hyperspace is turning purple, is turning red. Oh, yay. Just like the prologue in Light of the Jedi. That's what uh, Captain Hedda Cassett saw out the window. She saw hyperspace turning red. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Leox sees on the sensors there is something big out in hyperspace. It is headed right for them. Hopefully Leox is a good enough pilot to dodge it. We don't know. We cut to Reith Silas's perspective. <laughs> Reith Silas is strapped in his seat alongside all the other Jedi. There, I picture them all just like shaken up and down because of the turbulence, which is not something you usually experience in hyperspace. Not a lot of turbulence there. I, I, I Man, fucking strikes are killing me right now. There's a particular moment in a particular badass movie where this reminds me of, like, they're strapped in on a seat, the camera's shaking, some people are, like, enjoying the moment, other people are vomiting in their bag. That's how I'm kind of picturing it right now, because, yes, hi- they're, uh, based on my experience in Star Tours, yes, hyperspace itself is smooth, but getting in and out is very rough, and if shit's shaking and all that kind of stuff, I can only imagine how awful <laughs> it is. And it's also I love, like, that, I love that you cite your experience riding a ride at Disney. Correct. As though that is equivalent to the experience of actually traveling in hyperspace. What are you talking about? It is. It's honestly closer than anything I've experienced. So go <laughs> off, Queen. <laughs> you do you. And, but but also, Reith doesn't exactly have that many miles on his. Uh... Right. He there's there's not a lot of hyperspace in between his bunk and the archives. Right. So. So he's he's there and he's trying to keep it together. He looks around at all at the other three Jedi and sees that they are all uh, being super calm and chill, whereas his own mind is racing at a breakneck OMG what the fuck pace behind his own very thin veneer of calm. And look, it never occurs to him that they're doing the same thing. Right. That they are projecting an outward appearance of calm, but inside they're fucking freaking out. And so, and, and like, if you would just realize that they're just like you, they're just a little older, that's it. They're not actually calm. They're faking it just like you are. We are all in the same boat. Okay. And that is, and apply that to reality. Take that out of the book and apply that lesson to reality. We're all fucking freaking out. Why does this We're book constantly personally attack us? Right. And so that's where I would like to introduce a new counter to the show that we should have introduced last episode. Oh, shit. The Reese Silas personally attacks me personally. <laughs> Which is different from the Buriaga Agaburi relatable awkwardness counter. Yes. Very different. Um, where was this book when I was 14, 15 years old? Seriously, this book would have been so impactful. Um, as soon as they are old enough, I am making the kids and my family read these books. They will hate it if you make them. Uh, well, I have I, learned how to, quote, make them. Oh, okay. And it's never me suggesting anything. You... Like, you skillfully leave things out in certain you should, places. You should have a word with their mothers and be like, hey, could you low-key pretend that you hate this book and you don't want them to read it? 
because that will make them want to read it more. <laughs> anyway, that's been my experience. If I hate it, my kids want it. Oh, I love that. Anyway, anyway, um, so yeah, if if 14, 15 year old me had been able to have this epiphany that everybody is fucking struggling and and just because people look calm doesn't mean they are calm. Some people are. But for the most part, we're faking it. Uh, then I would have felt a lot less isolated and freakish. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> here we anyway, are. Anyway, <laughs> here we are. Um, and we have a podcast. <laughs> that's, that's what that leads to. Anyway, um, so he's having this moment where he's like, I'm going to be calm. I'm going to pretend to be calm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're going to die. Boom. Something hits the ship. They have a collision in hyperspace. Oh. Great. Everything starts vibrating super weird. Leox jumps on the comms and he's like, so good news and bad news. <laughs> Damn it. The good news is they have not been destroyed. Hooray. That's uh, That kind of goes without saying, Leox. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it needs to be stated because the bad news is we did take some damage. Affie's on her way to go check it out. Right then, Affie goes running by them. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly on her way to wherever the damage is. Uh, and... So Dez is like, hey, Jedi, uh, do any of us know how to repair a starship so we can maybe help? And Reith, ever the helpful Padawan, and also thinking he's got the least experience, he volunteers that he just finished Starship Repair 101 back at Jedi School. God damn it. And then all three of the other Jedi are silent. And he realizes that he is the most experienced repair tech they've got. And this is when I've discovered that uh, <laughs> most classes at Jedi Order are optional. In terms of, like, like you have to... Right. It, it's like... That was an elective, and this fucking nerd took it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an elective. Um, you know, most people probably take that class because Master Whoever is quite boring, and instead of, like, actually helping you uh, learn how to repair ships, it's a just... He's going to keep talking about metaphors, about birth canals, and... And whatnot. And I'm, of course, talking about our college experience. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but Reith actually did the work. He did the curriculum. He studied all the books. In fact, I right. I do believe, like, when we started off this chapter, this book, and he was like, I'm going to go study speeders, that he probably is reading a book on speeders right now. Yeah, it's on his data pad. Yeah. No, I fully imagine, headcanon, uh, that Reith Silas signed up for Starship Repair 101, um, which is just what I'm calling it. He doesn't say that in the book, so we're clear. But he signed up for that class because his master was like, oh, look, you have an elective space. Here's another lightsaber dueling class that you could take. And he's like, no, that space is full. Look, I just signed up for uh, Starship Repair. Yeah, that's uh, that slot's taken. I can't go play outside more. I got to go learn stuff okay i have to sidebar because a memory just like popped in my head oh no so funny so um uh (laughs) i don't know why but when uh, i i went to high school in san antonio texas and i remember uh i don't know why you went to high school there either (laughs) oh oh, god the food is so good though um and i remember beginning of the year it's my, my freshman year of high school uh i couldn't wait um and i didn't quite understand that when you choose your classes that that you have to take required ones and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was overhearing an art. Uh, it wasn't an argument, but it was kind of getting there. Um, my older stepbrother was really annoyed because he was told that in order for him to graduate this year, he had to take a gym class. And he's like, uh, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm trying to talk to them about taking this class and using that as a gym credit. My, my mom was like, no, you have to take gym. It's, it's a thing you have to do. 
And uh-huh. so I, I walk over and hand over my what my classes are going to be and showed her. And she's like, and Chris, you're overcorrecting. You can't take all gym classes. <laughs> and I'm like, what? why not? I, I, I like to swim. Uh, the volleyball thing sounds cool. Wrestling sounds cool. Like all this stuff. No, you have to take geometry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you and do that. And my mom was like, uh, my mom was like, uh, <laughs> To my stepbrother, you know, Chris is comfortable with taking gym and going to the locker room and sharing that space with boys, taking showers. Why can't you be more like him? And he just gave me a look of, I know why. <laughs> and I don't think I told my mom yet. So I was just like smiling like, hee hee, you know. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Nice. Reese Silas is the kid that does not want to take gym. He will. He will. Right. He, he will, will take the, any other class. Any other including... class and try to get the convince the Jedi Order. Can I just use my gym credit for like watercolor theory or something like that. Right. (laughs) And again, it goes back to that thing that his master called him out on, which is focusing on areas where skill and study are more important than talent. Right. And so there it is. Anyway, um, so he realizes he's the one that's got the most experience with Starship Repair, and he's like, oh, we're fucked. Anyway, he gets gets out of his seat and goes to help Affy. And he gets back there, and this is where we learn that Affy is a badass. Oh, yeah. Because she fucking jumps right in and freezer burns her hands holding onto some big cooling laser thingy. Yeah. Um, because if she lets go of it, it'll just slice the ship into pieces. So <laughs> that's bad. So she's holding that steady and while Wreath is welding some shit. He sees her balance start to wobble because, again, turbulence. And so he uses the force to help hold her steady. Mm-hmm. And she's like, whoa, what is that? Is that like a third hand or something? And don't make it dirty. Don't make it dirty. It's a, it's a young adult novel. Don't make it dirty. Don't make, they're teenagers. Don't make it dirty. They're teenagers. Don't make it dirty. They're helping each other out, Steph. Yeah. And not in any way other than what it sounds. They're helping to... They're going to die if they don't. So let's not... I'm just saying, if they were adults, I would have so many things to say right now. But I, I don't know. because they're not. I know. So anyway. Um, so yeah, she's like, what the fuck is that? And Reith says, it's the Force. And Affie's like, seriously? <laughs> you're not a monk. You're a wizard. And Reith is like, yes, monk wizards, that's us. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. They finish the repairs. Uh, he fetches a stim stabilizer out of a med kit uh, and injects that into Affy because there's no Bacta. Nope. Like, her hands are freezer burned. Her fingers are blue. She's covered in blisters. That was really intense what she just did. And she did it without even blinking. I love her. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And she, because she knows that she's just going to get the stim and she's going to be fine. Imagine, imagine what Affy will get up to once there's Bacta. Oh my God. Once you can just like spritz her with some bacteria and she's fine and everything is healed. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so we are back in the cockpit. Affy, Leox, and Geode are discussing what hit them uh, and that it was definitely a piece of a freighter. Yeah, Affy comments that it was a piece of a freighter and Leox just decides, because he's the master of subtlety, apparently, <laughs> uh, that, uh, does it, isn't this the part where he calls out, uh, that it's parts of the legacy run? Yeah, he's like, okay, might as well rip the band-aid off of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that looked like the legacy run. Oh shit. And of course. And that's a, that's a big deal because the legacy run is a Bind Guild ship and, and they are members of the Bind Guild and specifically Scover Bind, who is the leader of the Bind Guild and is Affy's foster mother, often travels on the legacy run. Oops. So hey, maybe Affy's mom is dead. Yay. Yay. 
So let's cut to the inside of Affie's head real quick, where she is refusing to panic about her mom. We don't know. We don't know. Let's focus on the problem at hand. She is the bravest little badass, and I love her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She gets a ding on the uh, Avar Chris being a badass bitch. Agreed. Agreed. There we go. Love Affie. She is starting to realize the scope of the disaster, that there is tons of... Tons more traffic in frontier hyperspace right now because as the Republic encroaches, people are trying to get their cargo moved before there's like taxes and tariffs or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more traffic in hyperspace these days. So this disaster is a disaster. It's bad. It's so much worse than it would have been like months ago or something. The vessel is still acting weird and Leox is all, yeah, because hyperspace is weird. We are changing course mid hyperspace. Without using a computer. Well, they do have the Nava computer. Yeah, I mean, Geo... But the Nava computer is not already set. Geode is working very hard. That's the thing. Okay, so Geode is sitting in the navigator spot. They look over at the Nav computer and see that there are coordinates just scrolling by like crazy. They're looking for preset coordinates. And But Geode's just sitting there. He's just rock. He's just sitting there. No, he's working. Clearly, though, like... Obviously, that's not something the computer's doing on its own. So is the is he a telekinetic rock? Yeah. Is that is that how he's doing this? I I never. Are quite... you fucking gaslighting me right now? No, I don't know how it works. He just he works the controls. Even R two D two needs to plug in. Um, Heather, while we conventionally understand the concept of putting it in to get something to work, um, there are other ways. There are other methods to, uh. Is this the part where you're sexualizing the rock? Is Geode an adult or is he a teenage rock? Uh, Geode's an adult rock. How do you know that? Uh, Because of stuff that happens later. All right. Anyway, somehow, some way, the rock has the computer pick out some coordinates, okay? And so they pop out of hyperspace. It's actually a pretty smooth exit. Good for them. They find themselves in a very big, very empty part of space. And Affy is relieved that they're not somewhere awful, like, I don't know, an active war zone or the inside of a star. Yeah. Because those things are possible. Yeah, because you could die. Right. Yeah. Uh, but still, she's wondering, why would their ship have these coordinates pre-programmed? Weird. Okay. Yeah. Question mark. It's a yeah. little shifty. It's a little shady. Let's cut back to the Jedi. Okay. Oh, and just real quick, before we do this, the... The pacing of this of this book, if this is how it's going to be the whole time, I need to catch my fucking breath because we are all over this ship. We're bouncing room to room. Again, they're being very cinematic, but it's literally we're with each group of people on the ship for like four or five paragraphs. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a I mean, so I have com- I have key complaints about the audiobook, um, produ- the production value of of young adult books and non adult books in general, because there's children's books, too. Um, the quality is not there. However, one of the things the audiobook does a lot better, in my opinion, than when I tried to read the book, is this was the only, uh, until recently, this is the only High Republic book I actually tried to read, read. Mm-hmm. Um, the audiobook will at least give some spacing between the transitions so that you, you know that you're moving to a different group now, and that, right. that with one exception, <clears throat> um, uh, you know you're moving to a different group, and 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 so it, it's not as jarring. When I read the book, I was so I was so like, wait, who am I talking about now? What's what's going right. on? I right. want to get back like, to this, please. In the ebook, there's like a little a little filigree yeah. in between the sections, but that's it. Yeah, and so that's your only warning that you are switching to somebody else's perspective. Yeah, cool. 
And so it's, it's very, like, we'll see if it, if it maintains this throughout the book. It's an awful fucking lot. But I get that there's a lot going on right now. It's kind of an action sequence. So we got to bounce around. So, like, I'm, I'm forgiving it, but it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, okay. Light of the Jedi did this a little bit, too. But, but it was, like, during, during battle sequences. Right. And I feel like it gave more time. I, I, it's it's odd. Um, the pacing definitely takes something. It takes some getting used to, um, particularly when all of this bouncing around comes to a screeching halt and we're doing something else. And we'll get to that. Okay. So cut to the Jedi. Orla Jereni and mm. Master Comic Vitus Vitus. What do we decide? Vitus Master Comic Vitus are fucking shook. Like all of that calm is gone. Their faces are stricken. They are deeply shocked and upset by something because, and they say that they just felt. So many voices crying out in the force and like very shades of Obi-Wan yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, Reith only senses that something's wrong, but he doesn't feel anything on the level of what they're clearly feeling. And quote, it occurred to him for the first time that there might be certain advantages to not being as acutely force sensitive as the average Jedi. Yep. And again, where was this book when I was a kid? Because there, ev- Every point on the spectrum, every every dot on the bell curve needs to be represented and is equally valid. Just because you're not the chosen one, just because you're not the, the super sensitive, super strong in the force hero person doesn't mean that you don't have a very important role in this story. And these Jedi need someone who's not completely rocked to their core right now, but is also still a Jedi. I have you know? in my I have in my notes. What? How far have we come in the Star War? Uh, it used to be that George Lucas suggested that you're just born better than other people. Right, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and that if you're born better, you are better, and you're the hero of the story, and everybody else can fuck off. And the Wookiee prob- doesn't get a medal. And you're probably a man. And you're probably a man. Yeah, because if you are a girl and you are born of the exact same configuration as the male hero, your job is wear a bikini. <laughs> fuck you george lucas i hope you hear this anyway um but that's talking about uh visual media which we don't specifically getting back i to think we this. can still bitch about george lucas so i think we can yeah. because him and his neck pouch need to fuck off. okay getting back into this though um the jedi are confused they're shook they're shocked nobody knows what the fuck happens uh master Comac says that they should um because you know, everything is calmed down, right? They're mm-hmm. coasting in empty space. He's like, all right, we need to call Starlight Beacon ASAP and let them know that we're okay. So nobody worries because we're definitely going to be late. <laughs> and and Reith Silas has a moment where he has a mean, evil little voice in the back of his mind that kind of wants Master Joramali to worry a little bit about him. Oh. Because then maybe if she worries that something horrible has happened to him, then she'll realize she should have never made him leave Coruscant and she'll let him go back. What a teenager fucking line of logic. Right. But ding on the wreath Silas is personally attacking me personally. Yeah. We all have that mean, evil, petty little bitch voice in the back of our minds. Some of us let it roam out to the front of our minds and out of our mouths sometimes. A lot. Me. Uh, but yeah, no, this is, this is a moment where even, even our hero here, cause he is the young adult novel protagonist, uh, has petty, bitchy, awful thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You're very relatable, Reese Silas. Stop it. 
God damn it. Anyway, Master Comac gets up and he's heading to the comms room to go make that call. Wreath gets up and goes with him because the role of a Padawan is to be prepared to offer assistance to any Jedi at any moment. Really? Yeah. Huh. I never heard it expressed that way before. (laughs) And like his master's not here and there is a master present. So he's going to go help that master. Yeah, it makes that's sense. his job. He's the Padawan. Yeah. I, I just had never heard it. I, I, yeah, I just never heard it explained that way. That, that Padawans have a role other than, uh, be here to learn things, be here to be condescended to, and also be cannon fodder. Yeah. 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 This is new. And I think it's really interesting. Uh, big, uh, uh, Patreon in her chat says, they're squires. They are squires. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I love it. Their job is to be helpful, to fetch things, and and in the process, because if you are, and that makes sense in any learning structure, if you are there helping the master, you are also there overhearing that's everything that's going on with the master and observing how the master handles things. Right. You're learning. Right. And that's a very important component to learning anyway. So they get into the comms room where it is cacophony. Their comms are blowing up with dozens of calls, distress calls, people basically out there in space going, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, yeah. We taken damage. We got ejected from hyperspace. What's going on? And Comac is like, oh, my God, what sector are these messages coming from? And Affy says, all of them. Yeah, because it's widespread. This is everywhere. Whatever just happened to them happened everywhere. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, Orla Jereni wanders in, and I'm noticing, and I don't know if this is the author just forgot about him, Des is no longer in any of this. Yeah, uh, I do have a note in my in my uh, my my notes somewhere. It says, where the fuck is Des? Like, yeah. Des just took a back seat. Yeah, like literally, he's still back in his seat. Because we get no information that he's done anything different. You know, um, I think Des is, uh, you know, sitting down somewhere in the back. He has his headphones on, and he's going to listen to podcasts. <laughs> Des Ryden is us in this moment. <laughs> and it's because uh, these chapters have nothing to do with his trauma specifically. I'm sure he will get the spotlight later. But for now, yeah. uh, I feel like Claudia Gray was like, too many goddamn characters. Des, sit down. Okay, over here. Yeah, there's too much bullshit going on. Let's focus on these people. But she only eliminated one character. Every, literally everybody else yeah. is in this Especially scene. Geode. Especially Geode. Yeah, obviously. He's such a presence. Anyway, Orla Jereni wanders in and Wreath updates her that a lot of people just died. Like, a lot. Yeah. And then he realizes, oh shit, a lot of people just died. And he immediately feels bad for having that petty little shitty thought earlier. Um, and for all of his moping about his own fucking future. When so many people now don't get to have a future at all. And this is where Wreath and I diverge. Because I would not feel bad <laughs> at all about being a petty bitch. <laughs> Uh, I, I would just recalibrate and keep my petty bitch shit to myself. That yeah. would stay in the back of my mind. Yeah. yeah. I acknowledge, yeah. Uh, see, that's the thing y'all about, um, I'm told my therapist is, uh, emotional intelligence is understanding it's okay to feel a certain way, but also understanding when you're, that feeling is not real and, or really bad. Um, so. And, and, or would do more damage if it came out of your mouth than if it stayed in your mind. Yeah. But then That's you express it I... anyway, and you wonder why everybody around you is upset. No, you just find ways to non-verbally express it, passive-aggressively, through action or non-action. Yeah, that's healthier. Yeah. <sighs> We're broken. Okay, so... <laughs> 
all of these, all of these crazy transmissions bouncing around. Uh, people are in a panic out there. All of a sudden, a new transmission uh, comes over the comms, squashes all of the other ones. It's clearly on a much more official, much stronger signal. And it says, quote, all hyperspace lanes should be considered closed until further notice. For travelers beyond the boundaries of the Republic through to the Outer Rim, we reiterate that hyperspace is currently unnavigable and extremely hazardous. All traffic is advised that hyperspace travel should be avoided at all costs. Great. They have a hyperspace Amber Alert system <laughs> or an emergency system, go. but that's what Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. And so, yeah, they're stranded. Oops. Cool, 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 cool. Everyone is processing the fact that thousands, maybe more people have just died in one horrific incident. Uh, and so Reith is going to the cockpit where there's Geode. Yeah. Geode is sitting there in the navigator seat. And God bless Reith Silas. He tries to talk to Geode. But he's not sure if he he should or what to say. And he's socially awkward anyway. So he's like, hey, how about that? disaster where a bunch of people died huh like that's <laughs> this is all really bad isn't it affy comes in and she's like Shh, don't try to talk to him about it yet geode is very sensitive <laughs> what yeah and how was he supposed to know what part of the rock was indicating that he's very upset right now or are we just back to being punked again he's sensitive he's strong he's uh, is uh he? he's often silent Yes. I think... Because this, he's a rock. <laughs> I think this is a Dean on the Elzar Man romance No! Cover. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, not. It no, is. he's yeah. a rock. Inanimate objects do not get Dings on romance. He's not characters. inanimate. He's, he's a real person. Okay. You may ding this on the Elzar Man romance counter, but how does it, how is this a romance trope? I, because it, just because you find it attractive does not make it a romance trope. Um, I'm... I mean, justify. Okay, explain decision. that because I, 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 I must. I have to be honest. I know fucking nada about romance novel. Oh, so you're not of, qualified to actually ding Geode on that trope counter right now? No, I, I'm just turned on right okay. now, and I want to be his husband. Um. So classically, but that's the thing. I in, don't just want to hook up with him. I want to bake cookies for him and like go on. Where's he gonna eat them? In his mouth. What mouth? Mm. Okay. Is it like Santa? You look away, you look back, the cookies are gone? Right. Cool. Okay, so a romance trope is something that shows up in romance, in romance literature. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, in fact, I would argue that assuming that Geode is a real entity, a real sentient, that does have the, the emotionally intelli- emotional intelligence to be very sensitive to this disaster that's happened right now, is the opposite of a romance trope, because emotional intelligence is not something that occurs often really in romance oh um miscommunication uh inability to decipher your own feelings um suppressing your own feelings to the point of poisoning your own psyche that's a romance trope but having emotional intelligence and being able to claim space to process your emotions that is not a romance trope at all that's interesting. it's attractive it's very attractive but it is not a romance trope because it doesn't play into the because for a romance story to happen you have to have drama yeah and miscommunication is a main ingredient of drama. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That makes sense. And, and not acknowledging your feelings and what exactly they are until it's until there's like a, a final moment where you can like run to her through an airport or something. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Anyway, so 
no, Geo doesn't get a ding on the romance trope counter for being too intelligent in his emotions. Right. Even though he's a rock. He's Geode. Look, look, I'm not alone here, okay? Because it says in the book, quote, Wreath studied Geode for a few seconds, wondering what exactly he was missing. Because it was, and this is in italics, just a big rock sitting there. <laughs> anyway, all the sensors in the cockpit start blinking. There's a beacon. It's a distress call from a nearby ship. Nearby? In the middle of random-ass nowhere? Yes, it is in this system. Wreath is about to answer it when all of a sudden he hears from the doorway Orla Jereni, Orla Jereni saying, Don't answer it. You don't know who's out there. You never know. And she is super triggered by something. Right. And like, excuse me? Did a Jedi just tell us not to answer a distress call? Well, what did happened? Did a Jedi? Did a Jedi just say, "No, don't answer that. We're not going to help these people." Did a Jedi just give us it's a trap? It's a trap. Um, yeah. Well, she's a wayfinder now, so maybe they're just a little bit different. Wayseeker or wayseeker? I always get that fucked up. Wayfinder is a different thing. It's a navigation tool. Wayseeker is a person. Right. Thank you. I'm so smart. Okay, so that's weird. That's suspicious. I wonder what triggered all of that. Flashback 25 years earlier, part one. What? Yeah. So here's where we discovered, y'all, dear listeners. In the ebook, there's actually a page break. Okay, we go chapter, turn the page, there's a header to 25 years later, part one. This is a whole new section of the book. Uh, And so when I was telling Chris, let's read chapter three and then the flashback in chapter four, Chris was like, what? Yeah, because I I use Audible for my my book listening and there is chapter three and there's chapter four. And the break and transition between the the current moment to the flashback was really short. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's weird. Like that's 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 odd, especially because it's such a fucking leap. Right. Now, I do not mind flat using flashbacks in in very short doses when telling a story. Right. Or small doses, small doses. Um, I fucking hate it when it's used as part of a key thing for a story. Uh and it personal opinion, it is the story is never made better when when you do that. In my opinion, when I watch a visual media and they edit shit out of sequence on purpose and they're being so clever and ha, 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 I'm building tension <laughs> and I'm creating art and blah, blah, blah. When you could have just like told the story in order, let your actors fucking act and stop getting cute with the editing and let your, let, let the story speak for itself. But no, you got to be clever. Um, this is the book. And you keep for- doing lingering shots on women's feet for some reason. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> Tarantino. Tarantino. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, thankfully people re-edit things back in order and those versions are much better. Go figure. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I, uh, 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 the book, the book format drove me nuts. Yeah, I don't, so I, I don't mind flashbacks when they are used to provide context to the current situation, which is kind of what they're doing here. But the fact that this is part one. Yeah. And the fact that as we get through it, you will see this is incomplete. There is not like a, a full narrative in this flashback that gives us context at all. Um, means that this is going to be persisting throughout the book. And I don't love that. Yeah. If it was a worthy enough story that it was going to be relevant, it should have been a prologue. 
Right. It should have been something before. But I get that. And maybe it was written as a prologue, but then it got kind of long and it got out of hand and they realized that that's just a whole novella. And so rather than make it its own thing, and because the story is supposed to be focusing on Reith Silas, we're not going to start the book with characters who are not him. Then they decided to break it up into pieces and sprinkle it over the rest of the book, I guess. I don't love this choice, but we'll see how it plays out. It's um, it's just not my favorite. Now, I know people think it works, and I know people have this book as their favorite High Republic book. For me, this book always lost 10 points when it did this. This is me. My opinion. Take right. or leave it. Now, after... Uh, phase two came out, and of course, phase two involves um the two two planets we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, my my ability to care about this flashback has decreased substantially. Oh, oh wow! Um, so uh, you know, if the strikes last that long and we get there, we'll talk about why. I don't give a fuck about Iram and Arano at all. Oh, okay. Like at all, like. The, the Death Star can use them for target practice, for, as far as I'm My concerned. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I do not give a fuck. So then let's get through this flashback okay. quickly, shall we? Okay. So here we are 25 years earlier. Padawans, Orla Jereni, and Comac Vitus? Vitus? Why can't I remember this? Vitus, yeah. Vitus. Okay. They are flying a shuttle through hyperspace on their way to their very first big important mission with their masters. The Jedi got a call to help negotiate the release of the kidnapped rulers of two embattled planets, Iram and Arano. And I'm like, oh, you mean the trauma planets that we talked about last time? Cool. Awesome. Yay. That's great. <laughs> the system is way outside the Republic. They refuse to join. They don't like the Republic interference. Uh, and these planets have been at war for so long, nobody even remembers why anymore. They just know that they hate each other until rulers from each planet got kidnapped and held for ransom. And it says, quote, so the fact that these two worlds had called for Jedi assistance was hugely promising. And it says in my notes, or a huge red flag, but okay. Yeah, and just a reminder, there's no politics in Star Wars. This is like nothing that is currently happening in today's world. So Ding on the Loden Great Storm doesn't realize he's in a Star Wars <laughs> How dare you look upon this moment where two planets at war are calling for Jedi help and you just say, A, you just send two Jedi and their Padawans right. into the situation. That's all you sent. You don't know you're in a Star Wars. The flashback doesn't realize it's in a fucking Star Wars. Right. Anyway, the mission's a big damn deal. It could bridge a gap, blah, blah, blah. And Orla wants to do her very best and not let her master down. Because lately, Orla's been asking a lot of questions and challenging the decisions made by the Jedi Council in private, talking to her master, to the point that her master got sick of her shit and said, quote, to be a Jedi is to serve. How do you intend to serve if you keep questioning every command? Wow. So now Padawan Orla has decided she's not going to question anything ever again, which is so goddamn unhealthy. I want to slap the shit out of Master Larret. Yeah. And How fucking dare you? Kids need to learn to question things. I I agree. And fuck Master Larret. Also, what a terrible fucking name. Master Larret? Yeah. It's dumb. We don't know anything about Master Larret other than that's their name. Yeah. But, but part of raising kids is you teach them, if you're a responsible person, to question things. And, and that is a very important lesson for them to learn. And... The trade-off for raising functional adults who can actually question and think critically about their reality is you are the first person they practice on. <laughs> they question your every goddamn thing. 
And it's annoying. And I get it, Master Larrett. It's tiresome as fuck. But your job is to raise that that Padawan to be a critical thinker. Not to raise that Padawan to just shut the fuck up and do what they're told. Yeah. That's terrible. Anyway, I was furious about that for a hot minute. Um, blah, blah, blah. There's an uninhabited moon that just sort of hangs out in between the two planets, Iram and Arano. Nobody pays any attention to it. Certainly nobody knows about the massive network of caves and the salt tunnels underneath the surface we really clumsily cut perspective to a different character in this flashback which i don't appreciate i it 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 was badly executed sorry claudia gray i love you but it's not just that it's badly executed it's that this flashback is supposed to be about the characters who are in our current story right it's supposed to be about orla jereni and comac vitus not about Isamer, the Lassat guy, who is leading a crew called the Directorate. They're a bunch of petty fucking criminals, and they're the ones who kidnapped the rulers of these two planets. Except, oops, they got the wrong one from Iram. Yep. They have Monarch Cassell from Erano. He's a Pantoran. And they have Queen Thundeka from Iram, who is a human and is the wife of the actual ruler of the planet. Yep. They stole the wife. Okay. And that's unfortunate because the Huts want the actual rulers because the Huts hired these guys. And I really feel like this is way more information than the characters we're flashing back to would have. Right. So why do we have it? I don't know. I don't like it. I don't. I don't, like I don't even know why. I Honestly, especially especially now, I don't even understand why the Huts want uh, to pay attention to Iram Arano. They're trying to destabilize the government there so that they can more easily move their shit through. It's the kind of gangster shit that if you're an evil slug that lives for many centuries that you do. You destabilize the government now so that in a hundred years you can just ride roughshod over this entire system. I mean, system. That, that is one thing I'll say about Iram and Arano. They're on a very important hyperspace lane. There you go. But just fly through. You're in, hyper, just, you're in hyperspace. Just fucking buy off the planets. They're they're fucking fighting each other. They don't give a shit about you. Right. And it's not like they have any connection to the Republic. Anyway, it's dumb. And I'm distracted from the main fucking story by this whole side rescue gangster story. Yeah. Yeah. That's going... Anyway, Isamir the Lassat. He spots... The, his crew spots that there's an incoming shuttle. Isamir's like, cool, send a distress call from Monarch Cassell's wrecked-ass ship to lure them in. Okay, that's what's happening. Hash... Uh- and there is a description of his like evil smile and toothy grin, and the 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 uh, audiobook voice for him is really really nice. And so, just a reminder, I'm still hot for Lasat. Hot for Lasat, mm-hmm, baby. Mm-hmm. There you go. Anyway, we could end the flashback there because obviously, a false distress signal luring them in is something that personally attacked Orla personally back in the day. Right. But no, we got to cut to Comac because he's there too. He's daydreaming about lightsaber dueling or something. He snaps out of it just in time to catch the incoming distress call. And then he fucking answers it. Like, just immediately answers it. Their masters aren't even in the cockpit. He just fucking answers it. And it says, quote, in the book, quote, should they have double-checked the signal first? That seemed like a minor detail. One that Comac didn't dwell upon. (laughs) fucking padawans oh my sweet summer child anyway they're all excited because they're going to go rescue one of the people that they were sent to negotiate the release of uh then their masters come running in because they got a bad feeling about something they're like hey what's going on oh we got a distress call from master cassell's uh, monarch cassell's ship and master larrett's right so from his ship not from him Uh uh-oh quote 
Too late, Comac felt a shiver in the force, the eerie dissonance that meant not all was as it seemed. And then outer space itself seemed to blaze with light and the ship shook and twisted and there was no up or down anymore, no way to stop, no way out. I wonder what happened. Can we keep going with the story? Always check the caller ID, kids. Always check. If it's a blocked number, don't answer that shit. (laughs) That's all you got to do. What do we do with our caller ID? I don't, you know, I answer the phone like a barbarian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, fucking shit. It's like, it, and no, we're not going to continue with that story. End of flashback. Disaster has struck because, and maybe, maybe we don't need to revisit this because disaster having struck because of a false distress signal is a perfectly good support for Orla Jereni's reaction to this distress signal coming out of fucking nowhere right. for them. That's fine. We don't need to go back to this. We're going to go back to it. I can already tell because it said part one. (laughs) Anyway, back in the present story, chapter four. Reith Silas is like, we if we were being stranded in the Republic, that would be fine because there's resources. There are long beam ships out there with food and shit. Somebody would find us. But now we are stranded out in the middle of nowhere on the frontier. No one can hear you scream out here. I'm unhappy. And that's legit. That is legit. Yeah. I don't like being in the middle of nowhere either. I am a city slash suburbia girl. I don't like camping. Mm-mm. I like to know that if I scream, someone will hear it and be able to either help or contact the authorities. I love air conditioning. I want to wrap. I, I want to. I like running toilets. I want to turn our planet into Coruscant. Fuck nature. It is awful. <laughs> it does terrible shit to there you. There can be a little nature in one park as a tree. Yeah. A, but the a, rest a of it A tree or off. a top of a mountain. Whatever it is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, mm. But he's actually, he actually was excited to answer a distress call because it's something to do. Mm-hmm. Something to distract from their current crisis. But uh, stops when he realizes that Orla has a point about not answering it, and Affy seconds that. She's like, what if that distress call is actually pirates? Or the Nihil? The Nihil? Uh-huh. Reith is like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. The Republic doesn't have dangers like this. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, that's funny. The Republic does. You just have lived sheltered in a temple on Coruscant. But you're in the shit now. Okay. Yeah. But, and so he feels really dumb right then. But then he remembers something that Master Jorla said. She said, quote, whenever you feel foolish... Remember that you have been given an opportunity to learn. The truly foolish act is to refuse that opportunity. Aww. Where was this book when I was a shitty know-it-all? Now I'm just a know-it-all, but I used to be really shitty about it. Yeah, you were. And this book <laughs> says one of my victims. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this this that is brilliant. That is perfect. That is absolutely something that a teenager should learn. If you feel dumb, don't get defensive about it. Ask questions. Learn. So you don't feel dumb again. Okay. So he's like, okay, pirates I get. Um, What are the Nihil? And Orla Jereni's like, yeah, what he said. What the fuck are the Nihil? Uh, but she's reacting not from a place of curiosity, but from a place of fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then the book, God damn it, says, quote, Leox and Affy shared a glance that somehow seemed to include Geode, despite Geode's notable lack of eyes, because he's a rock. What? He's looking. Sure. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, Leox and Affy let them know that the Nihil are raiders. They've been around for a while, but just in the last few years, they started getting really dangerous. 
Uh, and nobody knows what they're actually about. They just know that they're brutal and that they're definitely not the ones out there sending the signal right now. And Reith is like, oh, my God, how do you know it's not them? And Leox is like, because we're alive. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's that's true. But if you've read the last book, you know that that shit is true. But uh, you know how the hyper how earlier it described that hyperspace was different colors. Uh huh. Just remember that for later. I remember it now. Well, just, just, just I, I'm mostly saying it for myself. Oh, shit. Okay. That means that there are not hill out there right That now. means somebody had a path engine nearby. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yay! What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So Leox is like, um, it still could be trouble, though, even though it's not the Nihil. How about y'all go fetch your head monk, and we will all go through all these signals together, and we'll figure out what's up, okay? So Orla and Wreath toddle off to go fetch Komak, I guess. He's the head monk. We're not going to fetch Des, though. Why would we? He's just also a Jedi. Um, <laughs> but as soon as as soon as they're gone, Affy's like, why the fuck do we need the Jedi in here to help us figure out the signals? And Leox is like, we don't. I was getting rid of them, so the three of us, the three, because Geode, um, obviously. Obviously, yeah. So that we can get on the same page about all the illegal cargo that we are definitely not carrying in hidden secret compartments because those compartments don't exist and we don't talk about them. And Leox, so fucking help me, goes full naked bongos McConaughey here. Okay? <laughs> This character, it has been said by the author, thank you to our patrons for pointing this out, uh, is based on Matthew McConaughey. And look, kids, if you're young enough that you don't remember the time that Matthew McConaughey got really fucking stoned at his home in Austin, Texas, and was found by police sitting in his front yard naked playing the bongos, now you know. Yeah. Now you know. But anyway, Leox says, remember everybody, our perceptions define the reality of the universe. (laughs) Nothing is even a thing until our thinking makes it so. All right, all right, all, all right. right, all right, all right. <laughs> and I love in the dis- book description, he puts his arms around Geode and Affy, yeah. <laughs> and they lean in close, and they're whispering to each other. Damn it. And Affy's like, absolutely, totally. I'm not even thinking about those compartments that don't exist. And Leox's like, oh, your mama's going to be so proud of you. And Affy's happy because he's assuming her mother didn't die on the legacy run. Right. Okay. And of course, Geode, Geode Silence says it all. So, um, Comac, Master Comac is not their head monk. He's just the one with the most field experience, and also he's a Jedi Master. So he's like default in charge, right? Uh, so he comes in with the other Jedi, except for Dez, <laughs> who is apparently taking a nap. Uh, and they meet with the vessel crew, sift through all of the comms calls. Turns out there are 11 other ships in their vicinity. Uh oh. All in this sector, mostly cargo haulers, some passenger passenger skiffs, uh, etc. There's one particular ship, the smallest of them, that is weird. And it's the one that sent out the distress signal that they caught. They haven't answered yet. The ship has got like racer engines on it, transport plating, really powerful sensors. It's very much a custom job. Mm. But like parts of it are falling apart. It's weird. Um, I assume we're going to learn more about that ship. Oh, Sure. Sure. Comac is like, okay, cool, call them. And they're like, huh? And he's like, yeah, their sensors are strong enough. They already know we're here. Yeah, yeah. So if they were pirates, they would have attacked. And Leox turns to Wreath and he's like, you want to make the call, Pawa Man? <laughs> because he doesn't know how to say Padawan. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he doesn't know that Padawan is not Wreath's name, I guess. 
because they have he's heard the Jedi. They're not familiar with Jedi, you know. They don't. They don't know. Yeah, what they it don't know means. anything. Anyway, Reed Silas is like, "Is Padawan?" But okay, and he <laughs> answers the call, and they get a video call back, and there's like a tween-ish aged girl. Uh, her name is Nan, and she says it's just her and her guardian on board their tiny little ship. Aww. Yeah. And Comac is like, okay, cool. We're Jedi. We will totally come help you. We'll get back to you in just a second. Hold, please. Boop. Because he's getting an intuition from the Force, right? The Force is like, hey, there's something else out there that you still need to discover. And so he's like, hey, Leox, can you expand the reach of the sensors? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they do. And uh, ta-da! There's an abandoned space station out there. A derelict space station in the middle of nowhere in deep space. Yeah. Everything's going to be great. And nobody on that ship can hear the music right now, but I hear the soundtrack. I the hear soundtrack. music, too. You know, I, I hear space horror movie soundtrack It's so right funny now. that you mentioned that. So when, I'm, when I re- actually read, read, um, I put on classical music or, or movie film scores. I have like a playlist of like that's over a thousand hours long, and it plays oh. randomly. It decides to play a 80s movie soundtrack that stars uh, Sigourney Weaver, let's just say. Brilliant. And I'm like, let's, can we not, can we just turn around and can go somewhere else? Can we not fucking else? do this right now? Can't, God isn't Bespin nearby? Let's just go there. No, no. This is what we're doing. So, there it is. They discover the space station, but they also discover, oops, the star in this system is unhappy. Oh, no. It is beginning its millennia-long process of, of going supernova, so it's kicking off the occasional gigantic-ass solar flare. Awesome. They're all in danger. So they're like, cool, what we need to do is get all of the ships that are in this sector to the other side of that space station, because the space station, the fact that it's still here, lets us know that it's got shields that are probably able to protect us from the solar flares. Cool? Cool. Solid plan. Leox sends a message out to all the ships, letting them know that. Amazing. Jedi Master Comic. Comac Vitus Vitus? Why can't I remember Vitus. this? Vitus. God damn it. It's a mental block. I'm putting his last name apparently in the Gilmore Girls box. Um, Jedi Master Comac Vitus has the unmitigated gall to think to himself, quote, thank the Force for problems with simple solutions. Ding. Ding on the Loden Great Storm doesn't realize he's in a Star War counter, sir. You should know better. How dare you spot a derelict space station floating in the middle of dark, uninhabited, abandoned space and think, that's a simple solution. How nice. You are in a Star Wars, sir. Game over, man. Game over. Game over. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, Reed Silas is super excited about this space station. And he has the gall to think to himself, quote, an abandoned space station seemed likely to offer adventure without bugs and some stories to tell his friends whenever he got to see them again. Ding again on the Loden Great Storm doesn't realize he's in a Star Wars counter. How dare you? How dare you think about what would not be on that space station in the same thought breath as thinking about all the stories you're going to survive to tell your friends later. Maybe. How dare you, sir? God. I'm so upset. I'm so upset by this discovery. I'm excited to read about it, but like, I'm so upset that they don't realize the incredible danger they're in. Like, how do how does nobody have a sense of foreboding? Hey, the Force, you want to give somebody a bad feeling about this? Maybe? <laughs> 
fuck. The force wants them to find it, though. Hmm. Apparent lie. Hmm. Look, I think it's important to remember from time to time that the force also has a dark side. Yeah. And sometimes the dark side is doing the talking. Yeah. God damn it. And which side is it when you're in middle deep space? There's nothing good nearby at all. No life. Except you. Yeah. You're it. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Anyway, uh, they are getting closer to the space station. They're studying it. It's fucking weird, right? Right. Like the architecture, the technology is old. Um, even though for some reason their scans are showing them that the gravity inside works, the life support systems are on, and the atmosphere is breathable, but weirdly there's no sign of life. Red flags. These are all, these are all sci-fi red flags. Right. How fucking dare all of you just bebop towards this space station like it's ain't no thing. Yeah. But, but, but in fairness, if book characters, if sci-fi characters operated the way we operate, those books would be real short. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not go there. Let's just uh, fly somewhere else. And then they turned around and found the nearest bar. Yeah. The end. (laughs) Like, and they toast to uh, all the adventure they didn't have. Anyway, um, so they're like, what the fuck even is this space station? It's clearly been op- been abandoned for centuries. Um, it's like nothing we've ever seen except, hold on, one of the people on this ship is a giant fucking nerd. Wreath Silas recognizes the technology that built this space station. Uh-huh. He recognizes a Maxine technology. Um, who? A Maxine yeah, well, give Wreath a second. He'll tell you all about it because his hyperfixation is shit he read in the archives. <laughs> uh, he lets them know that the Amaxine were a race of ancient warriors that predated the Republic. And legend said that their scouts would appear out of thin air, which I feel like is an enormous foreshadow. I think we're going to get some fucking shit appearing out of thin air, but okay. Um, and then that, and that would herald an attack by the Amaxine, whatever. The Republic came along and the Amaxines packed up and took their ball and left the galaxy rather than join the Republic. Left the galaxy? Wait, I can't talk about what I want to talk about because we're in the SAG after strikes, but people can leave the galaxy and go somewhere people else? People can leave the galaxy, yeah. Huh. There are other galaxies, huh. turns out. Uh, yeah, the intro is in a galaxy far, far away, not the galaxy. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Anyway, Leox is like, oh, yeah, I just made my lore roll inspired by what you just said. I remember about those guys. They left a long time ago. Um, But clearly, people have been in this system since they left. Yeah. You can tell because the coordinates for this system were pre-programmed into the vessel's computer. Weird. Which is weird. And he's like, hey, Affy, next time you talk to your mom, can you ask her about that? Because you're the only person who might get a straight answer from her as to why Bind Guild ships all come pre-programmed with a map that leads us out of hyperspace straight to fucking here. Hmm. That's suspicious. That's weird. And the fact that Leox doesn't know the answer to this is also weird. He's the fucking, he's in charge of this fucking ship. Why doesn't he know? That sounds like some need-to-know shit, and he's not on that list. Well, maybe we'll find out at some point in this book. Curiouser and curiouser. Wreath sees the look on Affy's face and looks away because he's like, ooh, that's really awkward. This is probably an illegal smuggler thing. And doobie-doobie-doo. <laughs> I did not hear that. Doobie-doobie-doo. Um, 
Anyway, they're all cruising up to this space station, right? And suddenly, all of the alarms in the cockpit start going off. It's like, whoop, whoop, oh no, oh no, alarm, alert. There is a big-ass solar flare coming. Right fucking now. They have four minutes. <laughs> get to, to the get chopper. To or get, get to the chopper. Get to the space get- station. <laughs> and look, that's where we're going to cut it off, because that's the end of chapter four. But here's my prediction for the next chapter. I have not read ahead. Um is that they will be forced by this incoming uh, solar flare to board the space station. They can't just hide behind it. They're going to have to get on it. Yay. <laughs> it's such, it's so bad. It's so ominous. I am fully invested. My frustration, any frustration that you hear me expressing right now about like, how they're so fucking stupid and they don't realize that they're in danger is because I love these characters. Right. And I don't want them to walk rose-colored glasses into this situation i want them to be like we need all the guns right now big fucking guns i want them to go in there fully armored with all of their fucking space wizards magic swords out and like on full alert but they're not going to look steph the for the force will protect them right <laughs> <laughs> anyway (laughs) the force doesn't protect shit Ugh. anyway that is the end of what we have read up to so far um do you have any thoughts on chapters three through four plus an interlude flashback um still i don't like the flashback so far um right but other than that i you know i love all the characters in this book i i I just wish i don't know kids are lucky they, they get they get the coolest toys that are out right now. There are all these great books that like uh, speak to uh, the reality. You know, when right. St- Steph and I grew up, we didn't have shit like this. Like, no, we didn't have uh, we didn't have emotional intelligence lessons wrapped in in equal representation of genders and and identities and races and all. I don't know if we've mentioned this so far, but but Afi Hollow is black. Yeah, like that's. And that's not really explicitly mentioned in the book. I've just seen the cover art. She's black. Yeah. And she's magnificent. And she's magnificent. You know, I remember uh, a book that a friend of mine was reading. I forget. It was a young adult book that was very popular back then. And, you know, all the women in the book were their main focus was to get married and find the perfect husband. And and men go out on an adventure and kill dragons and shit. You know, that that was the whole. Yeah. That was the whole premise of the book. And it's just like, ugh. Well, or if you are a strong woman in a book, looking at you, Robert Jordan, you are very strong. You're so powerful and you're so amazing, but you're also hopelessly in love with this one really pretty guy. Who's a fucking moron. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? But you're all in love with him. Everyone is. And you all have to figure out that whole polyamory thing amongst yourselves. He certainly won't do it because he doesn't do emotional labor. That's a girl thing. Yeah. I just, I, I'm just mad at Robert Jordan for ruining my teenagerhood, but that's okay. Other things ruined it, too. It wasn't just him. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, we are healing our inner children with this book uh, in in many ways, I think. Um, our uh, One of our patrons in chat says, is why we snuck and read Stephen King at 12. I read it, the book, it, for that fucking reason. I read Pet Cemetery in fifth grade. Yeah, we were too and young. And nobody stopped me. Nobody slapped that book out of my little hands and stopped well, me. Well, it I I I got it out of the elementary school library. Who the right. fuck thought that was Who? What? Yeah, I think I read fifth uh read it probably in 6th grade. Um where I'm the same age as the kids. Yeah. 
in that story. And I strangely did not have group sex in a sewer ever. Ever. And I was well, like, am I missing an essential part of my middle school experience? Not at sixth here, grade, right, right. No. Yeah, it's more of a seventh grade. Not in a grade. sewer. Not in a sewer. There are standards. It was a storm drain. <laughs> okay, did we share an essential, like, coming of age experience then? Because <laughs> I totally did the do in a storm drain once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, look, it was either that or in the... We're oversharing, we're oversharing, we're oversharing. Yeah. We need to stop. <laughs> they they know too much about us as it is, Chris. We gotta stop. Anyway, Dr. Rand, I know you're gonna listen to this and, <laughs> you know, I said what I said. <laughs> okay, okay. So is that it for today, then? Yes. All right. Then next time, y'all, we will start with chapter five and see how far we get. Um, probably just a few chapters, but we'll see. Um, so then we can do the outro. Yes? Mm-hmm. Just do it. Okay, cool. <clears throat> hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate that. We appreciate you. Uh, if you enjoyed the music at the top of the episode, you should. It's fucking cool. Uh, that was a gift to the show from one of our listeners by the name of Chorlesy. You can find him on all the social media as at C-H-O-R-L-S-Y. If you would like to hang out with Chris and I in between episodes, and why wouldn't you? You already know us really well if you've been listening to the show at all. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, and TikTok as at DarksideDivas. And if you haven't already done so, you really should subscribe to our podcast. You can find our podcast on pretty much every platform. Subscribe, tell your friends about us, leave a review. We like that. Sometimes I'll even remember to leave those, read those reviews on the air. Sometimes. Um, yeah. Uh, also, we have a swag store, redbubble.com forward slash official divas, where you can buy t-shirts, hey. stickers, mugs, etc. of our logos and the funny shit that we say. Uh, also, what's next? Uh, we have a YouTube channel. If you look, do a search for Dark Side Divas, you can find our channel there and subscribe. Steph and I are doing playthroughs of Baldur's Gate, and turns out that shit is fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, and so join us for the next time we're doing it, which I think is going to be... Join us. I think it's going to be every other Friday. We need to talk yeah, about that so again. next week. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Divas Podcast for five bucks a month. You can watch our live recordings. You can interact with us live. You can go to our Discord. You can even see some of the special content that we made for the Patreon, like Steph reading uh-huh. Smut, me going to <laughs> Disney theme parks, and it, any other one else we've done so far. Yes. All of that is true. Okay. Is that it? That's it. All right. So then uh, we say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye.